As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. GearNetwork.com The following is a presentation of the Gear Radio Network. This is Roxy from Vixen, and you're listening to All Bets Are Off with Robbie Vegas. Rev it up, Robbie. What's up, Rock Soldiers? This is the Rockstar Robbie Vegas with another brand new episode of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Thank you once again for joining me. I truly appreciate you all. And we are sticking with this rock and roll that we got going on here because Mike Dupke is here today. That name probably sounds familiar to you rock and rollers because he's played with John Mellencamp. He's played with Hair of the Dog. He played with Wasp for about nine years, and he's currently the drummer. Of Wednesday 13. I recently met Mike uh, in Cleveland, actually, when I was hanging out with uh, the Wednesday 13 boys, Jack and Troy. And, um, you know, he's a really cool guy, big Kiss fan. Uh, we had a, an awesome conversation about how good Roxy Petrucci is from uh, Vixen and Madame X, of course, uh, who you just heard at the intro of this show. And uh, I just really wanted to hear more of his story and get him on the show. So I'm really excited that he's here today. And I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do. So before we get Mike on the line, Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show. Helps us with the algorithm, makes us pop up uh, closer to the top of the list when you guys leave us five-star ratings. Uh, feel free to leave a review if you want, but really uh, looking for those ratings. And follow us across the board on social media, and by across the board, I mean Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ABAOPod. We are very interactive, and we look forward to hearing from all of you. So let's talk to Mike. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Once again, for being back on the All Bets Are Off podcast. And I say be back because we recorded this once before and Zoom completely shit the bed and we lost all but the first five minutes. So thank you for being here. Yay! <laughs> Yay, technology! Yay! Well, I appreciate Works, you. except when you need it to. Exactly. And I appreciate you, you know, yeah. your, your willingness to try this again. <laughs> sure. So I'm now going to ask you all the same questions that I asked you before. And I'm going to do my best to be shocked by your answers so that the fans get what I really wanted them to have. <laughs> okay. No problem. So I'll see if I can say the same things. Yeah. We're, I wish I had something to compare it to. <laughs> so I did. There is a big difference, though, uh, in that based on our last conversation, I wore something special for you today underneath my Wednesday swag. This is my an uh, actual Vinnie Vincent Invasion shirt. And this T-shirt is... 35 years old. I got it when I was uh, about 13, and miraculously, it still fits. Wow. But, um, and on the back, it's got uh, him with the gigantic hair holding the pink guitar, and it says, World Tour 86-87. Come on. Uh, I bought it at a record shop. I didn't actually see The Invasion live. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I was going through storage uh, not long uh, before the Wednesday tour looking for like vintage shirts and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh. Does it still fit? And it does. It's like sideways. Like the, the design is like over here now. But uh, had to get it out. And maybe someday I'll put it on eBay so I can, you know, get 20 bucks for it. Yeah, right. You probably get a hell of a lot more than that, man. Come on. I might. Yeah. Vintage shirts like, uh, you know, go for go for quite a bit. I yeah. was helping Blackie clean up one. He's got like storage lockers full of stuff on his property. And I was helping him clean up uh, some stuff before. And I found he had 
1987 Iron Maiden somewhere in time baseball jersey, like authentic oh, from wow. that tour, because that was the tour that Wasp opened for. And I was like, do you think I could like, have, <laughs> is, is there anything... Anything I could put in this hand that would make that jersey go in this hand? He's like, no, nah, I don't want to get rid of that. I was like, ah, because yeah. <laughs> that thing was cool. It had, you know, the, the, the cover on the front with all the dates on the back. And it's yeah. oh, awesome. <laughs> oh, man, that's so cool. And I love I love buying vintage shirts like that, too. So I'm, I'd be in the same boat as you. I'd be begging for it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i you know and and like we were saying last time is um you know i, I recently met you in cleveland on the the tour bus when i was hanging out with jack and troy and found out mm-hmm. that you were also a ginormous kiss fan uh like myself yep so i'm gonna start this one the way i ended the last one and see if your answer changes because i remember what it was <laughs> so what's your yep. favorite kiss record and uh, no, actually, the answer has has not changed. Um, <laughs> in that, if I had to pick one, like from the entire catalog, it definitely would go with Alive. That is, that's the second thing I remember I ever heard from them because I fell in love with them when I was made for loving you came out, and I was a four year old disco fan. Uh, you know, I was one of the little kids that they said were, uh, although I never got to see them back in the day. You know, was one of the little kids that that you know, got attracted to not only the disco sound, but their kind of cartoonish image at the time. But then I checked out Alive from the local library, because you could do that back in the day, kids, and was blown away by that, you know, hearing that gigantic crowd and, you know, true rock and roll for the first time. But as far as their studio records are concerned, if we are eliminating live records, rock and roll over, just is my favorite Kiss record. I don't know. It just, you know, after... The, the amazing experimental stuff that they did on Destroyer, they went back to pure rock and roll, for, as you know, oh, for, yeah. uh, for rock and roll over. And I, ju- I just love that record. I love the rawness of it. I love Peter Chris's drum sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that whole thing. If I had to pick one, that and might be it. But probably I love it might be one of their most iconic covers of an album. Like you see that everywhere. It was on shirts and patches and stickers and lunch boxes and like and they use that rock and roll over cover and still to this day use it in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. No, just was really good at that. Like you, you, you just you recognize and. Maybe it's exclusive to Kiss fans, but like, yeah, like you, you see that cover and you immediately just, you know, everything about the songs and you can name every song on it, you know, from Destroyer to Hotter Than Hell mm-hmm. and Love Gun. But yeah, Rock and Roll Over for sure, too. It's like that was that was them right as they were hitting that, you know, or maintaining that 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 icon status, right? Like they were mm-hmm. starting to pack stadiums at that point. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like yeah. most KISS fans, we, we will then divide it up into, well, this is my favorite makeup record, and now I have my favorite <laughs> non-makeup record, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So I do the same thing. Like, if yeah. I had to pick, I'd say Dress to Kill, but then I'm like, but if you take the makeup off, it's revenge. Yeah, absolutely. You can you dissect it, you know, by, by era, yeah. for sure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now... Was Peter Chris the one that made you say, okay, I want to play the drums? He was, I, he wasn't the only one and he wasn't the first one, but he definitely had a gigantic influence. I mean, that whole, the, uh, I mean, a hundred thousand years, the whole live break off of, off of a live where, you know, they had the, the banter with uh, Paul Stanley in the audience while Peter's just doing, you know, effectively just, you know, that big drum solo that whole time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and loving that. Before that, my my dad had, was has always been a big jazz fan, and he had uh, certain records that he played, including um, uh, Dave Brubeck's Time Out 
record by the David Rubeck Quartet and drummer Joe Morello. I'm sure, you know, most people, at least if, if they, uh, you know, can go, oh yeah, take five, you know, do that, do that, do that, and, and Joe Morello doing a drum solo on top of that and, and playing licks, you know, like it wasn't just, you know, the 10 million notes as fast as you can go. But uh, there were there were hooks in that. Uh, same th- same thing with the drum solo on 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 alive. You know, it's like that cowbell part. It's like you know, dent 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 dent. It's like any you know drummers can air drum that you know right away. <laughs> um, and before that, of course, there uh, animal from the Muppet Show. <laughs> Loved watching him go crazy and you know hearing. Uh, kind of funny. I think I, I mentioned when we talked last time that you know. The Muppet Studios got like you know top-notch session guys to do their stuff. So a lot of Animals drum tracks uh, were done by uh, Hal Blaine from the Wrecking Crew, mm-hmm. and it's like no wonder he, Animals sounded so good. It's like he had <laughs> one of the you know absolute best session guys in the, in the world at the time mm-hmm. doing a lot of their drum tracks. So yeah, so that kind of kicked it off. But yeah, Peter, Chris, and Eric Carr cemented it mm-hmm. for me. And Kiss was the sure. first, they were the first band that got you into rock and roll in general, right? I'd say that, yeah. 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 Uh, after yeah, after my, my disco phase when yeah. I was four. <laughs> um, I think I mentioned before, like, well, yeah, in Christmas 1978, I got the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack and the Sesame Street Fever soundtrack <laughs> on the same Christmas. Uh, so, yeah, it was disco at the time, but then... Uh, hearing what Kiss actually sounded like took me in a a whole new direction that uh, that has yet to stop. Yeah. So. <laughs> so how do you get started actually playing drums? Walk us through that. It's kind of funny. I didn't I didn't really start formally playing drums until I was about thirteen years old. I was interested in drums and 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 would beat on you know my my toys or pots and pans or boxes or whatever else was around before that. But I had I had piano for about five years. My parents made me take. Uh, piano lessons. So I had uh, a little bit of uh, musical background before I started playing, was able to read music and, you know, I played in front of people. But drums were the instrument where I, I found a home, right? Sat behind a kit and uh, like my, my, my buddy Pete uh, in grade school had a drum set and I, I could I could just do it. It was, you know, I sat down, he showed me and I'm like, oh, like this? Boom. And, you know, found out what a simple beat was that can get you through a song. And... So I started taking lessons and uh, got a, a, a drum set uh, not too long after that. Grew up in a smaller town in Michigan where we had basements. So you could actually have a drum set, you know, and, and our neighbors were, were not, you know, too close that uh, it would cause a disturbance the whole time. But I make the joke, too. It's like with piano, they had to force me to practice. And with drums, they had to force me to stop. They're like, it's 10 o'clock. Enough. Cheers. I and, love that. And that's another phase that has kept going to, to this day, too. Of course. I'm back on that one either. <laughs> so I, I want to get back to um, your your first like big taste of like the big time. You were super young, and you played with John Mellencamp. Can you, once again, for everybody who didn't hear it, because only I did, uh, can you walk us through how that came about? Sure. Yeah. After high school, I decided to go to Indiana University because they had uh, and still have one of the best music schools in the country. And I got in and I got uh, incredibly lucky because after I got there, I found out that they were going to bring Kenny Aronoff uh, onto their staff. Uh, Staff? Stuff. I'm going to have some more caffeine. (laughs) Um, Kenny, who had graduated from IU, it was it was a big thing for that he was going to come back and, and join the faculty, and I got to be one of two uh, freshmen uh, that were that were assigned with him. The other being uh, my roommate at the time, actually too, Tom Deal. 
And so I got to study with Kenny for almost the entire time he was at IU. So I got to take a few years of, of lessons with him, and it was absolutely wonderful. He was still playing with Mellencamp at the time. And when Mellencamp put out the, the not Dance Naked, excuse me, I'm uh, sorry, a Human Wheels record. Mm-hmm. That record ended up having a lot of percussion on it, like and, and a lot of found percussion. A lot, like they played like trash cans and potato chip cans, and they made shakers and a whole bunch of stuff. And so when they started to do a couple of shows and performances for that, they needed someone to come in and play percussion. So Kenny suggested me, as Mellencamp uh, supposedly had seen me with the uh, the basketball pep band at, at IU. And uh, so I, yeah, I was 19 at the time and got to come aboard for uh, an MTV special in Chicago and the, uh, the Arsenio Hall show. And I uh, got to be in one of his videos. I'm in the video for When Jesus Left Birmingham and ended up doing some studio tracks with him, too, when Mellencamp decided that he just wanted to, you know, spontaneously do a record in like two weeks, you know, pure bare bones rock and roll record. Kenny was already booked. And so I think, you know, John said, well, I'll show you, you know, we'll get your student in here. So they rented me a car and <laughs> uh, and I got a hold of some drums and was able to do some some studio tracking. And actually, they ended up keeping one of the songs that I did on the Dance, Na- uh, Dance Naked record, which was uh, the, the follow up to Human Wheels. So yeah, that was uh, that was my first taste of of anything that was considered you know big time. Yeah, and I mean, and it was it was great. You, you <laughs> was were nineteen, you said. Was nineteen? Yep, that I mean... was uh, the <laughs> fall of nineteen ninety three. A lot of this uh, happened. I think I told you last time too. It's like when we all flew out to uh, uh, Los Angeles to do the Arsenio Hall show. Uh, the rest of the band was going to do something else that they didn't need the, the percussion on, so they ended up flying me home. And a a stretch limo picked me up in the Indianapolis airport after the red eye at like five in the morning, pulled into my dorm at IU at six in the morning. And I remember asking the guy, I'm like, um, can you can you can you stay? Can we just wait this out? When, you know, because people weren't going to class yet. But yeah. like eight or nine in the morning, you know, they would have been able to see me. Ah, oh, get out of the stretch limo. <laughs> oh, I just got back from L.A. But uh, he's like, no, man, I'm sorry. I got to go. Like, oh, damn. <laughs> So, but the, I mean, that's a huge taste for a 19 year old to get all that. And then there's there's obviously no turning back from there. You're like, well, I'm making it. So that's that's that. And so where do yeah, you go from there? Yeah. <laughs> what happens? What happens next that takes you on that road to say, like, I'm staying on this road? Like, where do you go from there? The next move that I did after I was done at IU, uh, I decided to give Nashville a try. I, I was too scared to move to New York or L.A. at the time. And Nashville was at the time it seemed like it was blowing up with the whole arena country thing with uh, like Garth Brooks and Shania Twain were now packing packing arenas right with pyro and and you know turning country music on its ear by by in- incorporating making it a show which it really you know had wasn't like that at the time until like these guys you know Garth Brooks being a big admittedly a big Kiss fan too yeah yeah and the way it, it made it sound at the time it made it sound like that you know like you, you come to Nashville you'll get a gig and like they were just <laughs> handing out gigs like peanuts at, at, at the airport so I tried but uh, soon when I got down there found out that uh, the the Nashville scene was a very closed uh, <laughs> exclusive group of musicians and there were like three session drummers that were that were recording like every record down there so it didn't happen but uh and i remember i told you last time i said watch your feet i'm gonna name drop i ended up meeting fred curry of cinderella who was living in nashville at the time and had a studio and uh, we uh, met him uh, we became friends and he ended up 
uh, bringing me aboard uh, a couple of sessions for other bands that he was going to produce. And he, uh, was it, in 90, 98, I believe it was, Cinderella recon- went back out on the road, and one of the bands that they took with them was a young upcoming band called Hair of the Dog that had had one record out and was starting to make uh, a pretty big stink. And, and Hair of the Dog and Cinderella ended up uh, getting along great. And when Hair of the Dog was looking for uh, a new drummer, Fred recommended me to them. And so uh, I ended up talking to them, auditioning, and getting in. And that's when, uh, that was not the fall, summer, fall of 99. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that's what brought me to Los Angeles. And I, I know okay. we touched on this too, is um, we had Ryan Cook on the show a few weeks back. So getting to hear about Hair of yeah. the Dog from both of you is, is really cool. And I did not plan that. That just, just like worked out that way. Um, <laughs> sure. But you were in Hair of the Dog, uh, essentially, from then on until you guys were no more, correct? So. Yeah, they, we got a deal with uh, Spitfire Records out of New York and ended up recording uh, the the Rise record, which was a lot of fun. Because actually, we re- were recording it in Nashville, so I didn't make my full move to L.A. until after that record was done. Okay. And it was it was great, and those guys were, were great. Boot, John, and, and, and Ryan were all amazing, you know, amazingly nice guys and just... A lot of fun, but unfortunately, you know, as, as I'm sure was the true same sob sob story with a lot of bands at the time. We got picked up, got it signed, but it just didn't, for one reason or another, just you know, didn't happen. To that next, you know, next rung up the famous ladder uh, didn't really seem to to go through. So at the uh, kind of the beginning of 2002, the band ended up, uh, you know, kind of calling it quits. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, still in touch with those guys and, and Ryan for sure. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, if you ended up talking to Ryan, you had a big kiss geek out with him, too. <laughs> because <did>. he's, <laughs> you know, massive fan. And he got to, you know, of course, uh, playing with uh, with Gene mm-hmm. in his band and Ace Freely in his band. So, yeah. you know, that's that's a dream come true for yeah. him, I'm sure. We had a huge moment about that when he told me that it all started with Desmond Child. And I was like, what? Wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so from Hair of the Dog, though, your your next big, you know, thing would be Wasp, correct? Almost. In between there, there, there was a step there. I got to actually play with uh, a blues guy, a uh, uh, slide dobro player named Eric Sardinas, who actually had the same management that uh, uh, Hair of the Dog did. Oh, okay. Um, our manager was also handling, uh, handling uh, she handled Steve Vai, and she handled uh, Lit, at the time, who were blowing up, they had uh, My Own Worst Enemy, and the record uh, A Place in the Sun was exploding all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and so so we had seen Eric play a bunch of times. The Hair of the Dog uh, guys always did, because he, he you know is amazing. And he was looking for a drummer right about the time that Hair of the Dog disbanded. So actually, it was it was kind of a, a nice uh, shift over that I you know already knew Eric, they already knew me, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to come aboard there, and that was my first taste of international touring. The very first show I ever played with Eric it was actually in Germany. Wow! First time, first time I'd ever been over there. Oh man, shaking in my boots, just <laughs> scared out of my out of my brain. But Eric uh, toured all over the place. Eric toured the world. First time I got to go to Australia. Um, first and so far only time I've been to uh, Japan was with Eric as well. And uh, I played with Eric for three years from 2002 to 2004. And Wasp didn't come about until about 2006 mm-hmm. when uh, a mutual friend of ours, of mine in the band, uh, Mark Zavon, ended up uh, putting me 
in touch with Wasp when they were looking for somebody. And uh, that audition uh, happened. And Blackie uh, said at the time, like, I was the only drummer he hired on the spot. You know, we, we did the audition. He's like, all right. Do I do this? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I, remember, I, I can't remember if I said last time too. I was something he actually said, like, because you know, I, I I guess I did pretty well at the audition. Yeah. And uh, he's like, so what do you got going on? And I'm like, well, you know, not uh, not playing with the, you know any other major bands that had big obligations. And he was kind of like, you know, what what are you waiting for? And I was kind of like, this, <laughs> like this. I've been waiting for this. Yeah. So I, I was even, you know, working a, a delivery job at, at the time, and uh, that was taken four days out of the week. And he's like, um, "This is on a Wednesday." Yeah. And he goes, um, "Friday is going to have to be your last day of work." <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, nice, all right, that's awesome, yeah. that's awesome." And we <laughs> we mentioned before, but I'll just bring it up again: is you are you were a fan of Wasp and just you know '80s hair metal sure. in general. So that had to be a big moment for you, just you know holy shit, I get to play with one of these bands that I grew up loving. And you end up in Wasp for, what, nine years? Nine years, yeah, 2006 to 2015. And I got to say that the yeah. um, the Dominator album, which was the first one that you played on, is probably my favorite Wasp album, um, if I had to oh, pick wow. one. Yeah, I really love that record. And, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, like, I know they have, like, so many to choose from, but, like, for whatever reason, that one stands out to me, just the way that it kicks in with Mercy. I'm just hooked after that. And I think that's so cool that I end up, you know, meeting you and on the bus and whatever, and you end up being the drummer on my favorite Wasp album. <laughs> and it was just like oh, a mind blowing yeah. thing for me. It was like a full circle moment. And obviously with Wednesday 13 being one of my favorite bands and all that. But, um, you know, when you left Wasp, you, you said that it was just like kind of your time. It wasn't like hard feelings or anything. You were just like, I, this kind of ran its course for you, right? Yeah, there no bad blood or anything, and it was just uh, uh, you know a, a difference in like the plans that we were going to have. But um, yeah, no bad blood. Uh, even though I, got, I, I stopped uh, touring with them, uh, I you know Blackie even like brought me back uh, to record a couple of extra tracks, including the the re idolized uh, record when he re recorded uh, the the Crimson Idol. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, he's like, you you already know most of the parts. Do you want to do it? And I, I said, uh, you know. Sure, absolutely, mm -hmm. and uh, that was that was uh, another record that I got to be uh, share uh, drum duties with uh, the late great Frankie Benali, and that was a, a real honor because he and Stet Howland had done uh, all the drum tracks on the original one. Yeah, so that was a big honor too. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And you can hear me too. I don't, I don't know, and, and it's, it's my horrible English accent impression. But if you listen to the Reidolize when. Uh, in the story when Jonathan is parting and his manager uh, comes up and says, you know, you've got all the friends money can buy. Uh, that's me. <laughs> oh, really? On the, the re-idolized, doing, doing my horrible British accent impression, but I, I tried to just imitate uh, the, the voice on, on the original one as, as best I could. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, that I don't, was fun, too. I don't remember if I told you this last time or not, but um, I remember you, I don't know if you were even on the bus when I said it, but when Jack told me who you were, him and Troy, I looked over at him and I go, and you guys don't do your Wasp cover live? And he was like, <laughs> and he just kind of thought for a second and he goes, shit, I didn't even think of that. We do do a Wasp cover. I'm like, and you have him right here and you're not doing it? <laughs> yeah, I don't I think that uh, they could have, but it's, I, I, you know, fully admit for as, as wonderful it was, you know, to be in that band, I was also the fifth drummer. So, <laughs> 
you know, I, I don't think it, 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 I have like the same ties that someone like, you know, the guys who came before me, especially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Tony Richards, mm-hmm. Steve Riley or, or Frankie or Stet, you know, not necessarily associated with it with it that way. Um, but, you know, hey, if they ever want to do one, I'm yeah. game. Right. <laughs> I, I know the material. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, since we're already talking about it, uh, let's tell everybody how you found your way into playing with Wednesday 13. was actually with a Wasp cover. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do one of the uh, the jam nights in L.A., uh, at least before COVID happened, uh, they would uh, have uh, things like Ultimate Jam Night at the Whiskey or Soundcheck Live at uh, the, a place called Lucky Strike, where just, you know, kind of a, a who's who of, of L.A. rock and music people would get together and you would have to know the song. You got assigned your song ahead of time. So it's like, all right, do you, do you want to do Blind in Texas with uh, Jerry Montano and Wednesday 13? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> I, I know the song. Didn't, didn't have to practice that one. So that was the first time I had ever, I had, I had met Wednesday mm. and uh, years later when Wednesday was looking for a drummer, he remembered me from uh, the jam night and we ended up talking. And I, I don't think, I, I ever had like that kind of a conversation, like, you know, getting to know you kind of phone call where I had that much in common with, uh, you know, a, a potential employer as I, as I did with Wednesday, he was just, you know, rattling down the stuff that they'd watch on the buzz. He goes, yeah, we pretty much just watch, you know, eighties stuff like, you know, sitcoms like silver spoons and the facts of life and, you know, TV shows like Buck Rogers and Hunter. I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to so fit in. Yeah in this band yeah we we had numerous uh 80s geek out nights you know with with uh you know trivia and name that 80s tv uh theme song uh when i was out with wednesday so that was it was ridiculous fun right off the bat we got along great and then the whole band was like that too oh yeah those, awesome. those guys are fantastic <laughs> i always love like every, every time they let me come and hang on the bus i'm always like all right what 80s horror movie is going to be playing when i walk in and, and I love yeah. it. And there's times where I just get sucked into watching the movie. <laughs> just kind of sitting there. I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys are watching Creep Show? Yeah, I can I can definitely just hang out and watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, people, ask, people who had not heard of Wednesday, like, you know, like family members of mine, they're mm-hmm. like, what, what kind of music is? I'm like, every song is an 80s horror movie put to music, <laughs> right? It's all about, you know, death and blood and gore and corpses and, mm-hmm. and, and monsters. But in like the most fun way possible, right? Yeah, like in, right. In, in the best way you can imagine. Yeah, hundred so, percent. Did, did I just spit on my camera? I think I did. <laughs> it's all fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> give me the Windex. I'll make sure I clip that <laughs> that out and put that out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to say though, and I told you this before, but I, I want my listeners to hear it. Is um, it shows that you fit in with them really well when you see the performance? I've seen Wednesday. 20 times. I've, I've opened up for Wednesday a couple times and you just have like, I'm, I'm watching you play with them and everything just flows and everything just looks great. And you're drunk. Your, your set looked awesome with the blood. Oh. <laughs> like, Oh my God. <laughs> like I was really just like, this is, this is their fucking guy. Like that's the first thing I thought of immediately because it's just, everything just fits so well. And that show uh, specifically oh, cool. in Cleveland was just out of this world. You guys sounded fantastic. Blown away. That was, yeah, that was a fun show. And with the with the drums, I, I think it sort of when I came aboard, you know, I was like, you know, kind of like a, a potential boss or, you know, whatever band or artist I'm going to work with. I'm like, all right, you know, what would you like? You know, big kit, small kit. And when I showed him the the drum menu that I kind of had, I go, you know, I had this this uh, 
I've got you know piano black, or I've got this red fade, or I've got this blood drip wrap that I could actually put back on, and I because I, I, I had used that with Wasp on the Crimson Idol tour, like two thousand eight, two thousand ten, and he's like, please do the can we do the blood drip, please? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so put that back on, and and yeah, it, it ended up fitting perfectly with the band. And you uh, something about I, I remember something about you saying that you started uh, with them. Something tied you with Ace Von Johnson. Yeah, Ace actually, Ace might have been part of that uh, the Blinded Texas uh, Jam Night performance as oh. well. I had met Ace when uh, working with uh, Jerry Montano. He introduced me to, to Jerry. Or no, excuse me, I had known Jerry, and when Jerry was uh, going to record some solo material, Ace was playing guitar. That's right, yeah, so that was the first time I had met Ace. Mm-hmm. And it was Ace that actually uh, more recently put me in touch with Wednesday. And he's like, uh, hey, are you interested in working with you know, Wednesday 13 at all. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, you need ask, yeah. uh, but, you know, being a, a massive Slipknot fan and, and, you know, big, uh, you know, Joey Jordison being a big influence on me. Like, yes, absolutely. You mm. know, some, some big shoes to fill, although maybe not literally because Joey was actually smaller, you know, he's shorter than I was, <laughs> which was very inspiring to do. I'm like, okay, if a, you know, even shorter guy than I am, you know, can, can play those drum parts. It's like, there's yeah. hope for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Joey was powerful for sure. <laughs> and so you were, uh, you were already, player, yeah. you jumped into Wednesday 13 as a, as a fan of his music yeah. already then. Um, sure. I wasn't, I mean, I, I had heard, you know, definitely checked out the murder dolls before. Yeah. Um, I admittedly had not heard a lot of Wednesday's solo material, mm-hmm. but when he, you know, like I came aboard and he sent me the records and it just, you know, it was one of those Oprah aha moments. It's like, Oh my God, this is, fan- this is going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Cause it was, yeah, it's like, well, uh, uh, with as 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 horror oriented as all of uh, the the band is, it's like the music is just straight up, you know, kind of punk metal rock and roll. Yes, and so you know, yeah, definitely felt at home being a big horror geek myself. Right, uh, and uh, in you know stuff off the new record, off of Horror Fire, mm-hmm. mixed in with uh, stuff from you know, as I'm sure you saw in the show, it's like it it encapsulated the entire history for Wednesday from murder dolls all the way up to the present. So yeah, yeah, a lot of ground to cover and a lot of fun. Do you have a a favorite song uh, that you like to perform with those guys? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. It's like the the whole set was fun. I, let's see. I want you dead. What is, was always a lot of fun just because that's, you know, just one of the more high energy tunes. And uh, I walk with a zombie and Grave Robin USA, I think, like, you know, the kind of faster, more urgent, you know, punky uh, style tunes were a lot of fun, especially Grave Robin USA, because that song is such a juggernaut. It's just a, it's an armored tank just, you know, pushing through. Yeah. And so those, yeah. But I, do, I don't know if I, just like Kiss <laughs> albums, I think from night to night, like I'll have certain songs and I'm like, yeah, man, this is just awesome. Yeah. The whole set was like that. <laughs> That's great. So I got uh, two more things for you before we wrap this up and get you out of here for mm-hmm. your for your second first time. <laughs> so what do you got coming up? What's what's next for you with either just you or you in in the band? Uh, when I say the band, obviously I mean Wednesday. Uh, the next big thing that we know for Wednesday is going to be the I think it's called the Slam Glam Fest, which is going to be in Australia. Uh, that is going to be at the end of January. It's a, a little kind of festival with uh, some. Uh, some 80s oriented bands, uh, Faster Pussycat, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, and Tough are all going to mm-hmm. be a part of that. <laughs> but that will be, uh, I can't remember, in the January 20s something. I can't remember the exact dates. But that should be an absolute blast. Tickets are already on sale for that one. 
And um, personally, I'm uh, just going to be holding on in L.A. until that. I've got uh, some sessions and uh, some videos that I'll be shooting of my own and with other artists. And uh, I also teach. Uh, we'll go back to uh, doing lessons in person and uh, using Zoom. Actually, I've, oh, wow. I've been able to do Zoom lessons internationally. In fact, uh, one of my students is this, uh, this kid, uh, this whippersnapper from Australia who had been a big Wasp fan. Uh, and I'm hoping to actually uh, meet him in person when we go down there in January. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Very last thing I want you to do is to just plug your social media, let everybody know where they can keep up with you, what you're doing, what's going on with Wednesday, any of that stuff. Sure. Uh, Wednesday is all over. Uh, Wednesday is not hard to find on social media, <laughs> uh, for sure. I think official Wednesday 13 com. My website is uh, MikeDupke.com. Uh, you can get me on uh, like a Twitter and Instagram on MikeDupkeDrums. And uh, yeah, if you have something that you'd like to see, you know, contact me, write me, let me know. All right. Very cool, man. Well, thank you again for being here for your second first time. And, uh, second first time, I like that. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. And I, I'd like to do something in the future where we do just like a, a Kiss episode. And I'd like to have both you and Troy on because I know he's also a huge Kiss geek. And, and sure. you know, we'll figure out, like, we'll, we'll try and break it down into, we'll make it even harder. We'll do like our favorite Kiss songs or something. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Really break it. Favorite, favorite Gene songs. Favorite first song off the right. record. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. a million categories that you yeah. could break it down and into. And we're going to yeah. have to do a subcategory like that too or else we'll sit here for four hours and we'll go hang on hang on hang on let me let me change this to <laughs> oh yeah you could do ace freely solos you could do bruce yep. kulik solos you yep. can do eric Carr drum tracks oh yeah the wheels are turning yeah i was gonna say you're, burns you're giving me all kinds of uh, ideas here we, I, you might just be a regular here you're gonna be like whenever i do like certain horror movie things i bring on ace von johnson now when i do kiss things i'm gonna bring you on <laughs> sure totally on board yeah. all right man well thank you again i and... geek out with the best of them <laughs> me too well you enjoy the rest of your day and, and i appreciate your time thank you absolutely man thank you Rockers, once again, Mike Dupke. I gotta say, uh, I am super thrilled that he agreed to do this one more time. I meant to bring this interview to you guys last week, but as you heard me allude to, there was problems with Zoom. They're still kind of giving me problems. Uh, thankfully, I was recording on a, a little side recorder too, not just through Zoom this time, which it did fail again. So just uh, glad that I did that. But Glad that Mike was here, and we will have him on again. And if you get a chance to go see Wednesday 13, please check him out. We've had Troy on the show, now Mike's been on the show, and we're going to have them both back. So follow them all on social media. Follow ABAOPod on social media. Follow Robbie underscore Vegas underscore official on social media. And we will catch you guys next week on the All Bets Are Off podcast.
The preceding presentation has been brought to you by the Gear Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.